right, welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we've got another great guest, John Boyd, principal at the Boyd Company. John, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. Really a pleasure to have you on. Um, definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to provide some value to our viewers, so thank you so much for that. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, hey, let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So our firm counsels major U.S. and overseas corporations where to locate their facilities throughout North America. We service a broad spectrum of industries. Clients of ours include J.P. Morgan Chase, Boeing, Pratt & Whitney, Visa International. Um, We work throughout the the 50 states, and we have the distinction of of being one of the nation's oldest corporate site selection firms. We've been around uh, for over five decades. Uh, And we also serve private developers and identifying opportunities for developers to do commercial and industrial uh, projects. Awesome. Well, you know, as a broker, even in my shoes, I think that site selection is a pretty uh, misunderstood or even, you know, an, an, an aspect of commercial real estate that people just don't know much about. So tell us a little bit about site selection, what it is, and, and specifically what factors you consider when you're doing a site selection project. Right. The, the acronym that we use for most of our site selection projects is, is TALIO, T-A-L-I-O. And it's, uh, you know, T is first, talent, okay? Companies are only as good as their people. So we look uh, for markets that have a critical mass of colleges and, and universities and vocational resources, vocational technical schools, as well as markets that have a high in-migration rate of tech talent uh, to support the types of uh, uh, skill sets that our clients value. A is for access, access to the global marketplace. Uh, via deep water ports or intermodal rail or other major types of transportation corridors. Uh, obviously, major gateway airports is a critical site selection variable for head office projects. L is for lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle is a very important site selection factor today. Uh, not only are companies is, uh, mobile like never before, but people are mobile like never before. And you look at the exodus out of major cities like San Francisco and New York, to lower cost, lower tax locations. So markets that have the types of lifestyle amenities and mixed use facilities that are desirable to a relocating workforce are, are really in demand today. I is for incentives. Uh, we call incentives a necessary evil. Our, our clients expect incentives to help underwrite the cost of a relocation or an expansion. And always for operating costs. Uh, costs are very important today. Our clients are in a cost cutting mode as we recover from the COVID-ravaged economy. Our clients are really focused on traditional business climate factors like never before. Uh, so whether you're a, a, a company looking to expand or relocate a regional head office or headquarters, or an advanced manufacturer looking for a new site, or a, a, a distributor looking for a new fulfillment center location, operating costs are a critical site selection component today. Awesome. Well, hey, that was very succinctly done. I appreciate that acronym and, and, and just a really great uh, um, explanation of how everything works in your industry. Definitely really appreciate that. So, look, you mentioned some trends. I mean, there's a lot going on in today's world, right? We've got these mass exoduses out of 
places in, you know, the Cal exit or the Texas, as I like to call it. We've got, you know, people moving at alarming rates, uh, you know, out of New York uh, into states like Florida. You know, Florida is seeing a thousand new, uh, you know, residents a day. These are, are things that are, you know, just, just really uh, all of a sudden these variables coalescing at once. Obviously, the pandemic is changing things. Remote working is another major um, you know, trend that's that's changed at a, at an, a super accelerated rate due to what's going on in the world. You know, how do you see you know in terms of of current office and industrial site selection trends? How is that all impacted um, by all of the variables that we've discussed? Well, we, we, you hit on some key themes there. Uh, the growth of markets like Florida and Texas. I'm actually joining you from Florida uh, today. Our firm is based in Princeton, New Jersey. I live and work uh, pr- primarily out of out of South Florida. And Florida has gained 300,000 people last year. This year, we're wow. expecting a, a similar record-shattering in-migration level. And look, r- remote working was a trend prior to COVID. Roughly 5% of the workforce worked remotely prior to COVID. The pandemic has accelerated the remote working trend. Now, 60% of the workforce is working remotely. The, the cost savings for corporations to reduce their, their Class A office space commitments in major cities is just enormous. And workers increasingly like the flexibility of working remotely, at least on a hybrid basis. So all of that is leading to really an historic outmigration of expensive, high-tax cities like San Francisco and New York, which, by the way, are also suffering from a lot of lifestyle challenges, whether that be social unrest or record-soaring crime levels. Mm-hmm. And this idea of, of these markets being in a perpetual state of fiscal crisis. I mean, you have this never-ending cycle of borrowing, taxing, and spending which really is the New York game plan. That's a failed game plan. It's led to tens of billions of dollars of taxable income leaving the state. Right. A lot of that money, quite frankly, will never be coming back. I mean, they, they call South Florida the sixth borough. And uh, <laughs> not, not only Florida attracting capital and projects from New York, but increasingly from the West Coast. Uh, and not, not a week goes by where a major tech company isn't scouting for new office space in Miami-Dade or Palm Beach or Broward counties. Sure. So, you know, you mentioned about the remote workforce. Sixty uh, percent of people are working from home today. You know, we're obviously we're, we're still in the midst of things. Right. So that makes sense. But let's fast forward two, three years down the, the road. Do, do we see remote work as, as a, 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 you know, just a fad, as something that we needed to do to get through these difficult times or as something that really does make sense and that is here to stay? Right. I think it's here to stay. Clearly, offices will come back. Uh, we're not predicting the, the death of, of the office market, not by any stretch of the imagination. However, projects will get smaller uh, because the idea of being in the, in the office nine to five, Monday through Friday, I think for most companies, it'll be a, more of a hybrid model where the mm-hmm. office is more of a space station. Some companies will incentivize workers to spend more time in the office. Some companies will prefer the workers to spend less time in the office. The, the, but there'll always be a need for, for office space. But we... We envision projects getting smaller. We've, we've already seen that. Uh, 20 years ago, the average square foot per worker for an office project was roughly 250 square feet per worker. Today, it's about 120 square feet per worker. Uh, and so we see a downward trend with respect to the types of office space commitments our clients are going to need. And look, again, the, the operating cost savings are just enormous for companies. And it's a way to improve the, the cost, the, the, uh, the bottom line on the cost side of the, of the ledger by by reducing your real estate commitments. Sure. Now, do you see any, what trends do you see in terms of that office space, in terms of potential repurposing? Well, repurposing is a 
is a very exciting part of the commercial real estate market today. Uh, obviously, with, with respect to retail, tens of millions of, of vacant retail space and, and tens of millions of soon-to-be vacant retail space. And a lot of the space is some of the most prized commercial real estate at, uh, locations in the U.S. I mean, these are locations that are next to major transportation corridors. You have open architecture, which minimizes repurposing costs. And we're already seeing a lot of repurposing activity on the retail front for last mile distribution centers. Yes. That's a segment that we're, we're very active in, uh, as, as well as different types of recreational and even class B office space. Uh, the, the message to developers is really to inventory vacant retail and soon to be vacant retail and market that aggressively to developers that are in this space, particularly investors that have a social impact uh, uh, motivation. That's a, another part of this story that I think is, is a very interesting one. And it's driving a lot of capital and a lot of exciting re repurposing projects around the country today. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I believe that we really had, you know, an industrial revolution that was going on where we had, you know, pro pr the, the the products were going off of retail store shelves and, and going into, you know, industrial fulfillment centers. And then all of a sudden we had, you know, major, major uh, bankruptcies and closings of, of, of huge retailers over the last few years. And obviously COVID accelerated both of those trends. And now we have all this vacant space. I think that in a sense, obviously this has been a, a time of great difficulty for many, but right now we have a major pivot point, a major opportunity to repurpose that space and kind of take all of those trends and push them along a lot further and a lot faster than we would have. I agree. This is a time of, 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 of innovation. It's a time for companies to create new efficiencies. Uh, and as we recover from the COVID pandemic, I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons. Uh, and companies will continue this focus on traditional business climate factors, being in business climates that are pro-business. And... Uh, this idea of repurposing again, so many, so much valuable real estate is out there, a vacant uh, or soon be vacant uh, retail space that could be last mile distribution, uh, even vertical distribution, which is obviously a big growth segment in terms of industrial projects in major urban areas, uh, high growth areas like Miami, uh, even the Bay Area, despite the out migration, there's a lack of available land for last mile distribution centers. So that's an exciting, uh, I think, part of uh, the story also. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about a lot of change, John, and, and, and let's talk about some more. We've got tax cuts, right? We've got a new NLRB. We've got new energy policy that's on the way. What does all of this mean for site-seeking for site -seeking companies? Well, people ask us all the time, what's changed in site selection over the years? And a lot of things have changed, but the role politics plays uh, cannot be overstated enough. Our, our clients are really competing in a global economy. So a new energy policy that makes energy more expensive you know, leads to a new motivation to do more automation and robotics and sure. shrink labor forces. You mentioned NLRB. You know, when, when Biden was elected, a lot of analysts were talking about how the rise of the corporate income tax rate will affect the reshoring narrative. I think what will affect reshoring even more is a new NLRB and one that's potentially less business friendly. Uh, and, and that could tip the scales for, for projects. You know, the, the, this administration wants to outlaw right-to-work status, which would have dramatic implications. And I think that a lot of projects that were in the pipeline, particularly advanced manufacturing projects during COVID, are now being fast-tracked with the expectation of light being at the end of the tunnel. We're hopefully getting through, getting past COVID, but also making a move while you can still get the, the benefits of being in a right-to-work state. 
Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about what you mentioned before in terms of social impact and an ESG. First of all, tell our viewers what that means and why does it play such a huge role in corporate site selection and development specifically today? Social impact refers to a company's policies on on, uh, things like uh, uh, diversity, sustainability, environmental practices, and good corporate governance. And we know that 97% of institutional investors really pay close attention to a company's social impact score when deciding where to invest. And it's also a major recruiting tool. Millennials want to work for companies, by and large, that support uh, social impact uh, initiatives. So this has become a real site selection variable. I think back to a few years ago during Amazon's high-profile HQ2 site selection process. I got a call from Ray Chambers. The time was a uh, UN envoy, to, a special envoy to the UN, um, one of New Jersey's most prominent business leaders, billionaire philanthropist. And we devised a, a strategy to get Newark in the mix for Amazon's HQ2. And of course, we focused on Newark's proximity to the Big Apple and the cost savings versus being in New York, you know, but also the, the, the big platform that Newark brought with respect to social impact. Newark was the poorest of all major cities competing for Amazon's headquarters at the time. And, and that's the type of of example that other companies are are, are, are really uh, following that, that lead today, especially companies that rely upon incentive packages. And we saw that with Tesla just a few months ago. Sure. Negotiate uh, the, their major incentive package, their gigafactory in Travis County, just outside of Austin. A way to make a, a large incentive package more palatable to a uh, to regulators, to lawmakers, and, the, and to the public is to really drive home the idea that you're, you're a force for good in the community. And Tesla was proactive in forging a relationship with Houston Tullison University, the historically black college. So most of our site selection projects today prioritize and identify opportunities for companies to make a, a positive social impact. And you're seeing you know, private investors, whether it be Shaquille O'Neal or Alex Rodriguez, uh, you know, do projects that have a, a major social impact uh, narrative. So again, it's an opportunity for developers, especially developers in distressed areas, to really identify these opportunities and, 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 and promote these opportunities. Sure. Yeah, it's fascinating just how impactful social impact is uh, you know, when doing a, a selection of a site. So listen, John, this has been incredibly valuable. I, I'm, I'm impressed at just how much information you've been able to jam pack in, in, in only a few minutes here. I want to kind of shift it up a little bit. You know, you've been in the industry for a long time. You come from, you know, a family and a company that's been around for for a long time specifically in this niche. If you could look back, you know, what what pieces of advice would you gather from your past to give to other people who are either entering the industry or who want to take things to the next level? I think it's important to know your role in the, in the industry, your unique niche, uh, which is a result of your experiences. Uh, your travels, or your relationships that you've built over the years. Uh, you're responsible to tell your story. You can't leave that up to anyone else. And, and also recognize that you know, this is a trillion dollar industry that's constantly evolving. And one of the big changes in our industry is more projects today are being done in-house. And mm-hmm. more corporations really rely on web-based resources for a quick access of, of real-time operating cost data and different types of labor market analytics. Uh, we just put forth bizcost.com, which is our e-commerce site. Uh, and you know, uh, so far, the response has been so positive from developer clients of ours, 
as well as longtime site selection clients of ours that just want to do, want to access quick operating cost data, other types of labor market analytics, leading indicator polls, to really help, especially in the early stages of a site selection project, as, as well as benchmarking and, and, and due diligence. Excellent. That's, that's absolutely incredible. So what do you see over the next few years? I mean, where are we headed in the commercial real estate world? I think this is a very exciting time. Uh, there's so many new industries being born at this period, whether it be the space industry, uh, 3D yeah. printing, electric vehicles, uh, the composites industry to make lightweight aircrafts and, light, and, and uh, more fuel-efficient cars. Uh, the, the, the role of the office is changing. Uh, the, this, this idea of the, the space station model. I think is really exciting. You know, live, work, play. It really puts into play a lot of suburban, second tier, even third tier markets around the country to compete for projects that a decade or so ago they wouldn't even be considered for. Uh, and you know, re we're really living in a people-first approach to economic development. Mixed-use facilities that are able to attract tech workers leaving major cities to lower cost, lower tax markets. That really is a game changer. And you know, we're asked to look at. Suburban markets uh, like like never before, markets like Dublin, suburban Columbus, uh, and your neck of the woods, Southfield and Troy. Uh, we have unprecedented interest in those markets today. Summerlin and, and outside of Las Vegas is in the mix uh, like never before. So it's really an exciting time to be in the business of development, but it really takes leadership. There's a lot of noise out there. And a successful deno common denominator among successful states and cities is a proactive uh, governor or mayor or other members of the development community to, to meet with companies and, and, and to promote yourself as being open for business. Absolutely. Well, it is certainly an exciting time in general and an exciting time to be in our industry. John, I really want to thank you for your time. You've added tremendous value to our viewers, and we really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another incredible episode of Dan on Top. Looking forward to seeing you soon.